0: I was thinking I have nowhere. I'm lost in Florida here. My mother doesn't really care for me anymore. I'm estranged from my father. I just felt like I wanted to just end it. I wanted to not be a burden. That was the thing always in my head with these things. Don't be a burden to people.
1: So, one of my goals with this podcast is to have more conversations and hopefully better conversations with attempt survivors. Thank you to everybody who has participated in this podcast, whether you are a guest or a listener or both. Huge thanks. Now, if you're a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at SuicideNoted.com, on Facebook or Twitter at Suicide Noted. There is also a link in the show notes where you can leave us a recorded Message We have gotten several and I absolutely love them. So please send us a message if you're interested in talking on the podcast or if you have a question or a comment or an idea, please reach out. There are also a couple of other links in the show notes, other ways you can support the podcast. We love support too. Now we are talking about suicide on this podcast as the title suggests. So please take that into account before or as you listen. But I do hope you listen, because there is so much to learn. Today, I am talking with Sean. Sean lives in New Jersey, and he is a suicide attempt survivor. Hey, Sean, what's going on? Not much. <laughs> Where are you, by the way? Where do you live? I live in um, Hackensack, New Jersey. Oh,
0: you're in New Jersey. I did, I did live in Greensboro, uh, North Carolina for many
1: years. Did you like it down there?
0: I love it. I go back
1: in a minute. <laughs> well, hey, man, I'm glad I'm glad we're connecting. Um, I know you've been through a lot of late. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Mr. Sean, great name.
0: <laughs> yeah, Yo, you too, man.
1: You spell it the right way. I'm from New York. You're from New Jersey. <laughs> you're joining me here to talk about difficult things. I'm curious if you want to share. You originally reached out. You wanted to share what you've gone through, including Suicide attempt or attempts. Is it attempt or attempts?
0: I just mapped it out.
1: I have um, eight suicide attempts that I did throughout my life. So, Okay. I usually ask, all right, let's start at the beginning. But with us, for some reason, I want to start now. So you had intentions to meet and then we almost postponed and you are able to meet. I'm just curious what is going on with you in the last whatever it might be, week or month or more, and then backtrack. It's like, well, yeah. what's going on? Yeah. I have a, a registered
0: nurse as a prescriber. I don't, I don't like psychiatrists. I was on lithium and fluvoxamine. And we wanted to get off the fluvoxamine, which was for, for my OCD. So we started weaning that. And we are going to get onto a, another new uh, med out to replace that. And so I got off the fluvoxamine. I felt good. I, those thoughts in my head started hey, you might be able to handle this without the medicine, you know, mm-hmm. which has always mm-hmm. happened throughout my life, and I'm sure it happens with many other people. We started weaning off the lithium, which has always been my savior. It um, it stopped the, the ideations uh, two years ago. Um, it just stopped them completely. Like, I was no longer having suicidal thoughts after, like, 20-something years. It was amazing, yeah. And so I started thinking oh then let's get off the of lithium and she um i had told her this and she was against it and but she was gonna hang around and she, she kept talking to my wife back and forth it was last thursday night it's like everything just hit the fan mm. i thought it was good i thought i was handling it the thoughts started coming back for the first time in like two or three years and my my like i was jumping out of my skin kind of i couldn't sit still i had this big townhouse development i walked it like eight times in one night and it was just craziness and i got unfortunately i got back in touch with her and um i took some pills to help me just calm down a little bit Mm -hmm. and then we started up and right now i'm doing i'm back like i'm back on the lithium full and Mm -hmm. i'm on the new med i'm feeling okay I'm, i'm experiencing a lot of panic attacks here and there but the thoughts that came back they're they're gone again it's like it's unbelievable, like how it mm. works.
1: Medication can help.
0: There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a fan. I've never been a fan. I'm like into Buddha and meditation, but like it just it, it works. Lithium
1: is like it's an amazing drug, but it's not I, easy to get off of if, if that's the tr- road you want to take. I, I will never ever do it again. Let me ask you a question about that. You say you'll never do it again, and I, and I'm not. My role here isn't to ever obviously tell anybody what to do. But But you would have probably said that a year ago, I'll never get off of it. It's working. Absolutely. So isn't it interesting that like we don't actually know It's but you know, here's, here's a terrible comparison I'll make. I drink too much. I get hungover as fuck. And I'm like, I'm never doing that again. And what do I do the next week? So it's, and the point being it's, this shit is tricky. This shit is just really tricky to navigate, man. I'm glad though. That you're feeling a little better, or maybe more than a little, and your wife seems to be someone who's supportive, as I suppose spouses generally should be, uh, which is cool. You're here. You had eight attempts. I know where. When I ever ask, like, so where does the story start? Is a really tricky thing, right? Sure. Because we could go back to when you're four years old in nursery school when you got bullied, or maybe you were the bully. I don't know. <laughs> you know, like where where does it start? So one of the starting points I often sort of float is leading up to the first attempt. And however you want to frame that, I'll just be here and listen and ask some questions as we go along.
0: Sure. Well, I grew up, um, my, my dad and mom kind of separated like when I was in seventh grade. It was a bad, bad divorce. I mean, it was like 10 years. And my sister and I were getting pulled every which way, you know, how it happens. So I grew up in a household with my mother that was very, um, she made it sound like we were on our last legs. And that like we're on the street, maybe tomorrow. And that was, never mm. she was angry at my father and she wanted a lot of money. And so that, but that changed things for me because that feeling of insecurity really affected me. Mm. I don't know how it really felt. I don't think it hurt my sister that much, but me being the oldest, you know, did a number on me. So I, I kind of lived that kind of life. And I, I did go into um, high school and I saw a psychiatrist, but um, my mother always went in first. So all that I ever talked with my psychiatrist was my father and how he saw another woman. And so we never got anything done. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we, we kind of see how that went.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and I was experiencing depression at this time and not, not bad, but you know, it was, it was beginning to build. So I went away to UNC Greensboro and I had a great first year. Like I was four. you know, it was like playing basketball every day. It was fantastic. And I came back. Um, after on summer break, just to see, spend all the time with my mom, and she had moved from New Jersey to Florida, Jupiter, Florida, got a place there. But when I was coming over there, she told me on the phone, she's like, "Don't get used to it." You know, I met a
1: man on the plane, and <laughs> we're moving back to New Jersey, and I'm getting married. So, hang on, whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa! This is not your mom's story, but <laughs> yeah. I met a man on a plane. I feel like that's the great title for a book. Just that title. (laughs) I met a man on a plane. Right. And it covers the the who, the what, and the where in only a few words. (laughs) Yeah. So she went back to New Jersey? She went to Jersey. um, But but I spent
0: the summer in Jupiter with her. And that's kind of where this mental illness thing came out, when my first attempt came out. I wasn't sure about college. I knew that the money was my father's. And um, I didn't want to waste his money. Because even though I was doing really well, I didn't know where it, what field I wanted to go into. So I wanted to take a year off and kind of investigate things, get a job, and just kind of see what's out there. She didn't like that because she knew once I dropped out of school, the money stopped. And okay. I think she was using some of the money for herself. So that happened. That blew up. My mom was could be very physical, uh, abusive sometimes, mm. and definitely verbally. Mm-hmm. and we had a big a mess of the scene i don't need to get into details because it's just like craziness mm-hmm. well, i got back to the house and things had settled down with her and she wasn't like i felt safe
1: in the house with her and but the suicidal thoughts came for the first time like first really, time first time you were and, thinking i want out or were you thinking details like i'm going to go into the woods and get a noose i was thinking i have nowhere i'm lost
0: in florida here my mother doesn't really care for me anymore I, I i'm estranged from my father i just felt like i wanted to just end it like i wanted to not be a burden that was the thing always in my head with these things don't be a burden to people right and i, took it and I went in the kitchen and i mean in the bathroom and i i took a kitchen knife, and which wasn't easy to use i never got through to a vein but um there was blood everywhere she caught me i guess she had she opened the door to see what i was doing and you know called the paramedics and. That was my that was my first attempt. what What happened with the
1: paramedics?
0: She was kind of just yelling at me. Um, they were kind. I ended up going to kind of like an offshoot of the hospital down there in Jupiter. Um, it was very nice, like the nicest mental <laughs> facility I ever saw in my life. An ex-NFL football player was one of the line line duty guys in the in the place, and he took me under his wing and he he really like he kind of saved me that you know that
1: night and you know preceding day. Hmm. And so what are you, about 19, 20 years old at that time? I was, yeah, I was 19. Yep. And how old was your uh, sister at that time? She is four years younger. So she was like 15 and
0: she wasn't there. She was in New Jersey with friends, like waiting for the wedding. <laughs> so
1: she didn't see any of this. Now I'm not here to pick on your mom. Cause yeah. you know, if you hear the podcast, I tend to ask certain kinds of questions. Sure. One of the things I like to think about is how do people respond? Now, your mom, granted, that was a moment of probably absolute terror to see your child bleeding all over the place. Whether it was in that moment or in the in the next days or weeks, understanding, angry, combination, something else? Uh, so, so the next day, I was going
0: into the psychiatrist and I walked over there and there was my mom in the room talking first again. I walked in. she this took meeting took 10 minutes. The doctor was against it, but my mom wanted me to get on a plane that day to make it back for the wedding the next day. So I was released, got on a plane, sobbing, crying in coach. My mother looking at me, giving me dirty looks, like "knock it off," you know. <laughs> and uh, made it back to New Jersey and went to the wedding.
1: You went to the wedding. Yeah, you went to your mom's wedding. Her her uh, her new husband, who she met on a plane. Yep. Your sister was there. She was. You what is happen what happens? Your life just goes on or uh I mean I know it's not necessarily happily ever after. We're not talking here today, I don't think. No,
0: <laughs> I cried at the whole wedding and everyone I could hear I was in the bathroom most of the wedding and everybody I could hear outside. They were saying my grandmother was saying, like, what's this problem? And, and all this stuff. My sister, I think, knew what happened, and she was the only one who kind of she came to the door of the stall and she's just like she was trying to talk to me and just sat in the men's room with me for a while. Like you guys say in your podcast, like my mother didn't inform anybody that
1: I had been through this like totally life changing trauma. It was like, yeah, exactly. I understand, particularly at a wedding. While that might not be something you bring up. Sure. But yes, it, that I'm sure it goes beyond that. We're not talking about that. Wow. Well, I'm glad. Your sister, huh? Only 15 years old. She's helping big brother out by just t- talking, hanging out, listening yeah she's pretty she's pretty cool so i'm like invested in this now uh you you did you go back to greensboro did you get a job what did you travel the world what did you do i went back to greensboro and yeah. i was i was a ra resident assistant
0: i got that job and um so i was there and i met some new friends i, I kept my old friends my all my basketball friends and everything but i met a new guy and he was a really good friend and we got close and so after our sophomore year we got um an apartment together for our junior year. So I've been doing, I did all right. Uh, Sophomore year, I did pretty good. Junior year, I went part-time because I wanted to start working. I was working at UPS down in Greensboro because they pay tuition and everything.
1: Oh, okay. By the way, Sean, so just to backtrack for a second, I know, I know that these things present in all kinds of different ways. Some of the most quote unquote successful people in the world ideate, right? Yeah. But when you go back to UNC, you're not only a student, you're an RA. If you're an RA, that, that brings with a certain level of responsibility of maybe organization, right? So your head has to kind of be screwed on mostly okay to do that, or you just probably couldn't have done it, right?
0: Sure, sure, yeah. That's always been my savior is my OCD and kind of keeps me you know, focused a lot. I find if I have a stable environment like the the, the RA job and, and knowing that I'm going to be there for both semesters and I'm good – My mother can't get me anywhere. And um, I'm able to invest into my studies.
1: Like that was like a perfect world, you know, the perfect storm. Yeah. It so reminds me of, and this is pretty obvious, but how important environment matters. A lot of things matter, but having that kind of somewhat stable, predictable environment. All right. So you're a UPS guy. You're wearing the brown thing.
0: Truck. I'm in the truck, the dirty
1: truck. All right, so you didn't have to wear the brown uniform?
0: No, I was like, like uh, you had a cut off shirt like you. And I yeah. was in the truck for like hours and, you know, mm-hmm. sweating.
1: <laughs> UNC Greensboro, young guy, living off campus. What happens next?
0: I dropped out after junior year. I wanted to get in state tuition, finally, and I wanted to become a resident. I, there was nowhere else for me to go. Things started happening. My dad came back in my life, you know, he had reached out to me. So he was kind of reaching out, visiting me in my apartment, because he's hmm. he a teacher. So he was coming down in the summers. I was still working at UPS, you know, just trying to get that year of residency working and, and having a driver's license. I eventually did. But unfortunately, um, the mental illness kind of creeped in. I was hmm. working like three jobs, uh, and, you know, one of them was UPS and I was falling asleep in class. I just had like a mental breakdown. You did? Yeah, it was. There was no um, suicide. I was just anger. It was just frustration after like that whole year. I worked so hard to become a resident. And my tuition was like $250 a semester instead of 5000 And I was like, I was just so mad at myself. Why? Because you didn't get it? No, that I, that I fell asleep in class and couldn't do the class anymore because I dropped out. I was like. I can't do it. And I was on my
1: own. When you say mental illness kicked in, what do you mean? What, what, what is the mental illness?
0: Well, like I'm diagnosed as bipolar with OCD. And I know there's a lot of anxiety um, in me. And I think what happened is like depression set in my OCD. That's when like my OCD is very mild now that I'm older. But like when I was that age, my OCD was crazy. I was checking doorknobs, um, okay. going, having to check my tires, Every two times a day, my car tires, two times a day, making sure that they're exactly 35 pounds pressure, you know, I mean, it's a really wild stuff that was stopping me from succeeding in my classroom, you know, like mm. doing the studies and, and then working on top of that. I mean, it's crazy, but I could not have my bank account under $5,000. Like what kind of college student has five grand in their bank account back in the nineties, you
1: know, that's like absolutely crazy. <laughs> Right. By the way, just slight tangent, not really. And then I want to go back. Does it bother you when people sort of casually say, oh, my God, I'm, I, I I was acting so OCD and they're not OCD?
0: It used to, but no, it doesn't. You know? they, <laughs> they really don't know. They're just being, they're just like, yeah, they don't know what it's really like.
1: No. <laughs> oh, my God. He's so manic. Is he? Is he manic? You know, people, it's like, I get it. We play with words. Um, sure. All right. So you drop out. What happens man what happens after that i go into the marines oh wow
0: the marines yeah Why, why'd you go to the marines i always had wanted to be in like the service and okay I, and i knew i saw the service is also helping me with, with tuition you know when i get out
1: marines out. though not the army the marines. the marines yeah. you got in i got in i passed everything marines marines yeah were you a badass or are you, like, you have to be a badass to be a Marine, no?
0: No, I'm not a badass, but I was like, I mean, I don't mean to brag, but I was, like, in the best shape of my life, you know? You, you,
1: I hope you were. You are a fucking Marine. <laughs> UPS, no joke. You know, They get you ready for the Marines, right? <laughs> they don't even realize it, that that's, like, a breeding ground or a feeding for, yeah. They, <laughs> that's a good tagline, like, start with UPS, end in the Marines. <laughs> UPS, where we make... Marines. All right, enough (laughs) of my silliness. So, how was the Marines? Did that? Yeah, how was the Marines? I got to the first day when I was ready to get on to
0: go to Paris Island, and I called my recruiter, and I had been holding this inside for a long time, and he knew it. I had told him that I had lied when they asked me about have you ever attempted suicide because that's a that's a red flag. I think that that was a red flag. Like, yep. "There's There's a door, and he told he said to me just. Don't worry. You know, kind of just don't say, you know, just, he didn't, he didn't say that directly, but he gave me the look, you know, like that. <laughs> I know the look, so I, I was freaking out. My anxiety was out. I could not let it go. And I told him this and he was, he was livid. I'll never forget the things he called me for and, being honest. Yeah. For, for wanting to like say, I can't go because I lied. You know, he was very upset. And he said, don't ever, like, I hope I never see you,
1: you know, in town or anything, that kind of thing, you know? Wait, wait, wait. Just curious. Is it safe to say that this had less to do with him wanting the best for you and more for because they have a quota they need to reach? Is that? Exactly. It was his quota. Okay. That's part. Well, you know, I mean, that's the role he's in and he's got to do his job. But okay. Yeah. Wow. Did you ever see him in town again? No, no. It's a, I
0: mean, you know, Greensboro is pretty big. and
1: You were going to go into the Marines. Now you're not in the Marines. No, I'm not. No. but And I want to back up for one second because I think I kind of led us astray. When you said that you broke down in college, did you have another attempt there?
0: No, the attempts didn't really occur in college. It was more just the OCD kind of like overwhelming me and just having that moment where a complete breakdown, like just throwing stuff in the room and just exha- and then exhaustion because like you've been riding this train for a year and it's just too much. Yeah. But the 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 next the next attempts I wrote them down actually are like right around the corner, and then as soon as the second one happens, it's like two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, just like that. Yeah.
1: And so, what happens after you leave the Marines office that day?
0: Yeah, I went back home just for a bit, and yeah. then I came back to North Carolina, and I I moved to um, Fayetteville. Why? <laughs> um, I found a job as a chimney sweep, and. This friend of mine, he had a house that he knew that was like $250 a month. Okay. Had no heat, uh, basically had nothing. It was just basically a just a box kind of thing.
1: <laughs> right. So the, here's where my brain is going. And of course, I know why you originally reached out and I know where our conversation is going. But so for me, college dropped out, almost a Marine, don't get in. Then you go to Fayetteville and you're sweeping chimneys and there's no judgments really against Fayetteville or chimneys. I'm thinking, I don't like the way this sounds. No, you're exactly exactly right. I don't like where this is going. I I know where it's going, but still, okay, this is where something's happening. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, at this point in my life, I was trying to reduce all my costs
0: and I didn't want, I was with my, I, my dad and I were in good shape, but I didn't want to take from him, you know, that's I want to do this on my own, and I wanted, and I thought, okay, I'm going to get a cheap house, save money. These chimney sweep guys, these seem okay. Mm-hmm. Get started though; it's one of those cab trucks, you know, there's a little cab and then all the equipment. And like every time we finished a chimney, we were, we were celebrating with a uh, you know a, a marijuana, you know. Mm. And I'm not good with drugs. Drugs don't do my mental health very well. So I was sucking up marijuana for eight hours and then getting up on these like, you know, ginormous houses with like big chimneys and holding on for dear life that just got old and living in the house with no heat. I didn't reach out to my father and that's when the suicide thoughts come in. I thought, I thought like, I'm better if I'm just off the earth, you know,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: I I quit the chimney sweep guys. And I was still at the house, but I was freezing to death. I went to the store and I was so like determined. I bought like um, two, 12 pack, two six packs of Corona. And then I bought like these jumbo um, sleeping pills. Yeah, I came back. I downed every single pill in both bottles. I had two beers to do it. And, um, and that was like a three-day like um, hallucination, half out of it. I was seeing people from my past. Mm-hmm. I, I walked to Fayetteville hospital to get help. And when I, I remember sitting in a chair and when the woman said insurance, I got up right now. It was like a, it was incredible And there was throw up like every all over the house. Um, how I survived it. I have no idea.
1: So you left the hospital because you don't have insurance.
0: I left the hospital. Yeah. Cause I was, I didn't have any insurance. So as soon as I heard her say that, cause I was trying, I was going for help. Um, I was starting to come down from all the medicine. And I was like, I wanted help. I wanted us to be hospitalized. And she said insurance. And I
1: just like. So every once in a while, when I talk to people, I kind of break for a moment. And I say, all right, even though everyone who listens to this podcast is probably already on board with these ideas, it's just worth me saying shout out. We lose a lot of people because they don't have insurance. Yeah, man. So I have no solution to that. That's a fucking problem. All right, let's go on, please. Yeah. That's a fucking problem.
0: It really
1: is. Yeah. You don't have insurance and you wanted help. Yeah. Yeah. You know, even though, you know, when you're you're a young guy, young twenties or woman, but you're not, you know, I think we tend to be especially resilient. I think we we're just, that's just that age where you just can do anything.
0: Sure.
1: And, but you said after the second one happens, which was that attempt, then the rest come quickly. So despite being a young guy and again, good shape, not enough. That's not enough.
0: After I, you know, came back to the house. And the next day or two, I called up my dad crying and Mm. told him what happened. And he's like, you know, wait till you get, you're really okay. Come back to New Jersey. Then I'll come down with you and we'll get a van and we'll just pack everything up. And he came down with me and he like started crying when he got to the house. He saw the Fayetteville house.
1: Your dad cried?
0: Oh yeah, he cried.
1: Did he give you a hug? Yeah, yeah, he's he's a good guy. Wow. All right. I'm liking your dad right now. He, you know, he
0: he made mistakes. I understand why he made his mistakes. Now, yeah. we're older, we can talk about it. Yeah. And I didn't because, you know, his him and my mom's relationship was very difficult. Right. And he had to do yeah. so, that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He lives right down the street from me now. So. <laughs> no shit. So you went back up to Jersey that day, that week? We,
0: we went down in like one and a half days. Like we went down, picked it up, went back. We didn't stop.
1: <laughs> well, and, and you've been in Jersey since? I've been in Jersey since, yeah. An underappreciated state. I'm out in farmland and and beautiful mountains and people always think Newark. They're like, oh, Newark. Right, right. Or like Patterson or some smelly orange. All right. So for the past whatever number of years you, here's what I know. I know there are more attempts coming. I know you at some point got married.
0: Yeah.
1: uh, And I know at some point you grew a beard. Those are the three things I know. At this point, do you say to yourself, I need more or a different kind of help?
0: yeah i wasn't i wasn't on medication yet this is when the medication came in my dad my dad has ocd too but nothing like what i experienced and he doesn't experience depression but he had a doctor in morristown new jersey that um he hooked me up with when i came back and that's when the medication journey began and and that's been a journey i was basically on the wrong meds for 20 years Cause the guy who I was with, he had, he thought I was like depression and then OCD and that was it. Yeah. So those SRIs weren't doing anything for me. They were helping with the OCD a little bit, but they were missing the manic and the bipolarness and they were missing the suicidal thoughts. Like, Cause the attempts got more and more and more and more. And he just kept putting me on SRIs. Like there was no
1: change. It was very bizarre. Maybe not a good, very good doctor. Wasn't the best. (laughs) maybe he wasn't very good at his job. I mean, you know, some guys who sweep chimneys are great and some aren't. (laughs) Um, Well, and I don't know a lot about meds. uh, If I'm not mistaken, and I'm obviously not a doctor, just making sure everyone knows that SSRIs are not typically good for bipolar. Am I right? I don't think so. No, they're more for like obsessive compulsive and Uh, stuff like that. Yeah. And when you when you say bipolar, does it? How did it present in your life? Did you have highs and lows? The highs, the manic, it can show itself
0: sometimes, but the lows are are what I primarily deal with the most of. You know, that hits me the hardest.
1: Is that like in bed for two or three days?
0: Could be, yeah, yep.
1: yeah, just yep. laying, maybe watching a movie or just nothing,
0: nothing just isolating yourself from people and.
1: And then the thing that happens is, I mean, and if your experience is different, tell me, of course, you do that enough times. And even when you come out of it, and it probably feels nice to come out of it, you go outside, you take a walk, you know, it's going to come again, probably. And so this pattern starts to happen. And this is kind of my own version of that where you, you know, you get older, you're like, oh, this isn't probably just going to change. It's going to happen again and again. And can I be okay with that? And I get why some people are like, I don't think I'm okay with that. (laughs) Right. I mean, Covid is a perfect example. Um, I wasn't working;
0: I was on disability for the first time in my life. My therapist recommended it. She said, mm-hmm. "You should be on disability. You're going from job to job and all that." That's a whole other story. But mm-hmm. what the pattern I developed in with COVID was: is I was sleeping all day. It was good, you know, it was okay. But then it's like it's every month, and then it's every six months, and you've got that pattern of just isolating and sleeping, isolating sleeping, and you're caught in like a deep dark depression but the, the thing that is just blows my mind is that like
1: for two years i did that and like never one suicidal thought because i was on the list i was on for being it's complicated stuff. stuff when you say when you say isolated you're married you live with your wife yeah so are you isolating also from her or when you say isolated just you two hanging out well like when they're gone she she teaches too she's a teacher so when she's
0: gone and, and my girls are gone at the school the day is just completely wasted you know i'm in bed I do come out whenever they come when they come home and i i try to interact but it's not it's not the, the experience that a normal uh, a dad you know would have with their kids
1: you know i'd still when they're home i kind of keep my distance and all that you have That's two cool. girls yeah two girls so you have two daughters a wife and two daughters your dad lives down the street yeah your sister around
0: she's in uh, Roselle, this which is about like an hour and a half away
1: and in the course of returning to jersey until this moment, you were saying that you had a real battle for two decades with finding the right medication, and you had what I think six more attempts. Are they sort of every couple of years, or did you have a sort of especially bad year or two where, where most of those occurred?
0: Yeah, like uh, I was living with my dad when I came back. You know, to Jersey for about I believe about eight years, but I I went through a whole bunch of jobs, and during that time period, I was been, I was having difficulty. With, you know, self-esteem and, you know, where am I going? And I'm not, I don't have a college education. Thoughts were creeping in. And there were like three attempts that were pretty serious. Then once that was over, I I got into, uh, I became a tennis instructor for about seven years, which was like my saving grace because I loved it. I was teaching tennis every day, outdoors. That's when things got really good. So the suicidal attempts stopped right there. I, that was like an eight-year period of grace you know Um,
1: and you attribute that a lot to the work you were doing yeah
0: i was um had some nice friends that i was going out with after you know work we're going to like rock concerts i would never been to a rock concert and so my shows life was really good everything kind of was gelling and i still at my dad's but we were having a good relationship and things were going great the suit those suits those three suicide attempts you know they were kind of done and those eight years were kind of nice you know I was still on meds. I was, I was still on. Uh, I think I was, I was on, you know, Zoloft at that time. I think I didn't. Again, I didn't like it. It wasn't helping me. I didn't think. But I, I told my dad, you know, like, hey, as long as I went, he kind of wanted to he say, hey, as long as you're living with me, you're going to be on something, Sean. You need to help yourself. And I was like, you know, you're right, you're right. Hey, like, three suicide attempts. You know what away.
1: It's not. It's not a bad point he's making.
0: <laughs> right. <exactly.
1: laughs> it seems pretty fair. Yeah. So that part of your life moving in a better direction.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Tennis. You're in Jersey, you're holding down the fort, you're going to rock concerts, you've got some friends. And I should have asked, when you. I don't, I, I don't want to get too granular, but if you're okay with sharing, Absolutely. your third attempt, are, are you using the same methods? And the reason I ask is this, I always wonder, all right, I did the pills thing, that didn't work. Or I did the cutting thing, that didn't work. I'm going to try something else.
0: Yeah, the, those, those three and four were similar to the other one with the pills, right? Unfortunately, my dad somehow, I didn't think he was going to be home both times, and he came home early. He got me and threw, him in, threw me in his car and drove me to the hospital. The one after that that was the last of the attempts before the grace period, that was uh, in the car with the CO2, yeah.
1: In a garage type thing?
0: Yeah, in our garage with the, the muffler and stuff.
1: How did you get out of that?
0: He came home early again. Wow. And, uh, and the, uh, I think the paramedic or something, he said I did something wrong. Like okay. he says, glad you messed up because this would have been it, you know, Sean. I forgot what it was. It was maybe I, there was another window open on the other side or something like that. I was kind of in a, you know, well, I was in crisis and uh, I wasn't thinking right. Sure. That
1: <laughs> <It> makes <laughs> sense. All right. Now, I don't know if it's you were going into your 30s or later, whatever happens. Something's happening after the good times because you wouldn't have framed it that way. <laughs> right, right.
0: Yeah. I, I, I actually, I met my wife. Um, I was giving her and her friends tennis lessons. Ooh. And, yeah! <laughs> I actually had the hots for her friend, but it just didn't work out. And like my wife um, and I became good friends, and then just kind of just was it was so easy. It just kind of went on from that. That's usually happens, you know. If it's the right thing, it goes easy. Now.
1: You're doing well. so when you were doing well, and you had said earlier you had some self-esteem stuff. You were feeling good enough to be like, I could get a girl. I could go out with a girl. A girl's gonna like me. Yeah. Not everybody feels that way. That's why I'm asking, you know. I can imagine if you're going through a really hard time that uh you might not feel that way. Right, right. So you get the girl.
0: Yeah. She's she's an she's a teacher. She put in the my uh the idea in my head, you know, just go finish your degree. So I went over to East Strasbourg PA, which is not too far from us, and I, I got my teaching degree. Uh, so I taught tennis at nights and stuff like that. And then I went to class during the day and it was great. It worked out perfect. What did you get your degree in? Um, elementary education. Elementary
1: teaching kids. So did you get a job doing that?
0: Well, it's funny. Like I had met a lot of people during tennis, uh, a lot of moms, actually. Uh, moms that had um, sons or daughters with that were on the spectrum or were had Down syndrome. They um, were involved with a lot of groups and there was this one mom who ran an advocacy agency. She offered me an interview when I graduated. So my job, my first job was to um go around the counties in Jersey and teach kids with IEPs to teach them their rights. You know, you know, you have a right to declare an IEP meeting whenever you want. You know, mm-hmm. why do we have IEPs? You know, hey, and also teach them about like, what's great about you? Like, and and getting it up on the board and having focus groups and, and doing board games and wheel of fortune stuff, you know, it's just a lot of craziness and fun.
1: That's very noble work.
0: It was a great job. Yeah. Really, really. I learned a lot.
1: Mm, I bet. Yeah. I bet. There are still attempts coming though, Sean. That's the thing about when I speak with people, I kind of know where we're going. Okay. Don't mean to go down that road. I mean, we uh, could spend more time teaching stuff, but you know, it is, suicide noted not teaching noted so so i i went on to a few other
0: jobs like just just um going through trying to make a little more money trying to get more established basically what happened is um i was in the public schools finally and i was a um preschool disabilities teacher which was really great i did that for um four years wow this is kind of where things kind of come back i was really on a nice grace period and i was still taking the medicine they were still thinking of me as OCD and, well, not, you know, depression. I met a woman, um, in the school. We became very good friends. It kind of became more than like a friendship. It never, it never was physical. We never like had anything like that. It was more, they say it's like kind of like an emotional connection. And, you know, texting, of course, was part of it. I tried to always take it back a little bit and say, you know, we need to kind of be friends. Let's just stay friends. Cause and, you're married.
1: Yeah. Because I'm married.
0: Exactly it was just a bad part of my life. I, I was loving the attention. I was, it felt great. You know, a real beautiful woman, you know, saying things to you and it feels good. It got to the point though, where I think it was, I started getting off my meds because I did this frequently. You know, I thought I could handle it. Like I did this last time.
1: Mm. And
0: so the combination of being off the meds and then the guilt for a whole year, this relationship had been going on. I just, I told my wife and I came to her and I said, look, I need to tell you this. I understand that, that what's going to happen. You know, you might want a divorce, you know, whatever you need. Um, this is my fault. I did this. I apologize. She was upset. She had confronted the woman, of course, like on the phone. The woman like acted really, she was really upset about it. She was angry at me. That day, I can remember the day I felt like the world was over. My wife, I had nobody. She could take my kids, even though she would never do that to me. But Everything just crumbled. I came home. I said goodbye to her and I said, "I'm gonna leave." Okay, I'm just I this I did too much damage, and she's upset. Everybody's upset. I kissed the kids. I went out to um, Harrington, PA. It's like down eighty, Route eighty, and I just start driving. And um, I saw this hotel and I stopped. I uh, pulled off. I got a room and I had all my. Uh, it was an Afronil. It's so all my medication was in a bottle. My my doctor made the mistake of giving me like this huge refill. It was ridiculous. I took them all. I called my wife real quick. And I said, I love you.
1: She have any idea what was going on? She knew what was going on. Yeah. Whoa. So hang on. Let's go back for a second. So because she had known about you, you've shared with her about your other attempts. Yeah. Oh yeah. She was fully aware of my, my mental health. Yeah. So what does your wife say when her husband calls and says that, and it seems as if he's checking out?
0: She was hysterical. At that time when I made that call, I knew that the police were there. He was trying to talk to me. I didn't figure it out. But I figured it out a few minutes later that they're probably tracing it.
1: Yeah. And I had already
0: taken the pills and I could feel it like it was like fire running through my body.
1: So when you left the house, your wife already knew some there was a major problem and called the police. Yeah,
0: she she could just tell. I, I assume she could tell by my talk. And she was like, you know. I think even she said, you know, where are you going? I said, I'm just gonna end this part. This is it's my fault. I'm sorry, you know, you don't deserve this. And I, I can't go back and I can't, I'm just gonna take care of it. And she knew what that meant.
1: You know. Sure.
0: It ended up I was on the toilet and I was, you know, it was coming out all ends you know,
1: hmm. fire. Painful, right? Painful. Yeah, and like your I, body's not happy.
0: It was, yeah, it was bad. And I like a SWAT team busted down the entire door. <laughs>
1: All right, now we're going down that road. Okay, yeah, they
0: threw me off the toilet with their batons and shields, and then one guy ran. and Thank goodness he goes, "Get off of him! Get off of him!" He goes, "He's a he's a good guy" because he 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 knew the police chief, I guess, in Pakistan. He says he's a decent guy. He's just going through some problems. Get off!
1: We know that police officers are not trained typically to to understand any of this, right? But it should be noted if you're thinking about getting into law enforcement, it, some people do not need to be tackled or shackled or beaten with a baton <laughs>
0: yeah, it, was tough.
1: It, it it it's just bizarre it was I was in Hazelton
0: for quite a while in a hospital, just getting it out of me, like I was seeing my dad at my bedside at night, and the nurse was telling me, you know he's not there. Sean nobody's here. nobody came to visit you yet. My sister did she, My sister didn't come out that night. she drove four hours. Nobody came? Nobody else came? No, just my sister.
1: All the while, because you've mentioned your, your dad some throughout the last part of our conversation. Is your mom in your life at this point? Is she aware of her son's challenges or struggles?
0: She, um she unfortunately, um it's almost seven. Yeah, it's almost 11 years. She passed away in her house in Arizona. It was like mm. a drinking. She drank herself to death. They found her, mm. you no know, basically with vodka bottles everywhere.
1: And I think she suffered for, she suffered from mental illness too. So many people do that don't, and they don't know it. Yeah. Right. And yep. does that make, so not to get weird here, but you had said this, you get older, you look back and you were talking a little bit about a different perspective on your dad. And this isn't a loaded question at all, sure. but does it change your perspective on your mom and how she dealt with you when you think back, like, oh, maybe she was mentally ill. Maybe she was dealing with addiction back then. Does that? shape things at all or reframe things
0: you know like that like the last
1: couple of months uh,
0: with all the stuff that was going on with my sister and me just talking and stuff i have started to think thought think like that you know she, i i'm sure she was dealing with the same level stuff i'm at I'm maybe almost, almost positive
1: yeah
0: she she just did it differently she she did it you know medicating with with alcohol
1: it's not a justification and I no comment on her mothering, but you do what you can to cope. And sometimes those things kill you, but you do what you can to get through the day or the moment. It's what we do. I think it's weird in a weird way, Sean, I think it's kind of weird not to do that. Just talking about it with a couple of friends. Like we we're just talking about how we look forward to that drink at the end of the night. or maybe yeah. for me it's more than one drink. Why? Well, because we feel a little bit better. We know that we're not helping our livers. You fucking know i'm not dumb you do what you have to do yeah anyhow all right i digress you're in the hospital in hazelton you obviously survive yeah did i send you to a another kind of hospital
0: oh yeah it was um it was horrible um this is uh, this is gonna get fun it's not funny but now it's funny it was like an eight-story like mental health facility it's like archaic
1: yeah, and no. it
0: was really bad in there the teaching union wanted to get involved um, and they wanted to help me out with um, sending me somewhere, you know, better. I was like, okay. And they they talked to my wife and this guy was selling this place in Florida. That was like, um, you know, sober living houses. Mm -hmm. It was, it was basically a sober living house situation, but he was saying it was for people with mental difficulties that are struggling and just got out of the hospital. I went down after Hazleton, my, my wife and my, my, my dad took me down to the airport and I get down there and I get to the front desk and right away I'm feeling something's not right because I see the people here and I'm noticing this is strictly a sober living place.
1: There's no mental health stuff here. Kind of a scam. Yeah, it was a scam. And because um, these are just, they, yeah, they make a lot of money. Those places. They sure do. So
0: I said, I can't do this. And I walk this long how, how highway in Tampa all the way back to a hotel that was like 10 miles down the road halfway though the guy had picked me up he came in his truck and picked me and said let me get you to your hotel i'm not supposed to he was very nice they called me in the morning the the boss who was making all the money um uh, and she uh, she was like you need to get back here we're gonna send it so i got in a truck and i came back i stayed there for like half a day and it was all Alcohol's Anonymous. It was that kind of meetings. People come people were coming in and telling their, their personal stories about their um tr- struggles with alcohol. So I was like, when is the mental health stuff gonna come in? I'm OCD, I'm depression, I'm suicide. I mean suicide attempts. And uh it never came. So I, I asked the the head lady came in, she came in like a sweet Mercedes. She's got
1: gold all over her Oh yeah, she does. Yeah, she that was only one of her cars. Yes, <laughs> she had bling and she sat in
0: the treatment room and she was so angry. I mean, I've never had a woman yell that much at me in my
1: life. You know who that reminds me of? Yeah. The guy who recruited you in the Marines. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. She was. You're cold. not doing what you need to be doing. And when you don't do that, I don't make money or I don't get a raise or I don't get a promotion, whatever it is. It's, yeah. yeah. Fuck that. That's exactly right. That's- <laughs> Get me out All of right, Sean, when you write your book, I want you to make that connection. You don't have to give me credit. Go. <laughs>
0: no, I will. It's good. That's great. Um, she did kick me out of the meeting. She said, "You know, get the hell out of here," and and don't. And she said to any staff,
1: "Don't give him a ride to the airport." Yeah, the, and 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 clearly, after you attempt suicide and you're in a hospital, <laughs> you go somewhere. That's how you want to be treated. That's exactly what you needed. Right. I'm sure in your life. <laughs> That's great. That's 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 responsible, ethical treatment right there. Well, well, well done. Whatever you're called in Florida.
0: <laughs> yeah. So that was um.
1: So that was it. So someone uh, again, a
0: nice guy, you know, snuck up behind me on the highway. He's like, "Hey, Sean. and he was from the place. And he's
1: like, "Get it quick." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta, you gotta be quiet. It's on the lamb. You got shh. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> like you have to do this in secrecy. What's Jesus? Exactly. So. So yeah that was um What year was that? that uh, that wasn't too long
0: ago. That was um,
1: four years ago. four years ago we
0: were four or five years ago.
1: I know that you at some point after then stopped teaching nursery uh, elementary school?
0: Yeah, yeah I, I had another there was an incident with um stabbing my arm, opening it up, and I, I went through a couple other after after Hazel Harrington, I had my worst one. Um, ever I had taken my, my medication, of course, downed it all. And this was stuff that you don't want to overdose on. And, um, I ended up getting to the hospital and I was seizing. I couldn't stop me from seizing my sister. I don't know where she came out of because she lives far away. She came into the hospital and she saved my life. She, she grabbed the, uh, the head, the director of nursing. And she was just like, you're going to do this. She's a registered nurse. So she's like, you're going to do this for my brother. You're going to give him this stuff, and you're going to stop him from seizing, and you're going to save his life. Do you understand? And they're like, yes, okay, sure, sure, sure. And it stopped, man. And then they had to intubate me for a week. I was unconscious for a week. And um, that was the worst. I could have died. And and by this point, your daughters are born. My daughters, thank goodness, didn't see it.
1: Um, So they're like pretty young at the time?
0: They were like um, six and two.
1: So one of them was around for for Hazelton in Florida.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. During that time, it was always daddy was sick. He's not. He's just not himself. Mm-hmm. But now my oldest is eleven, and like this last one, she knew exactly what was going on. And I told her. I told her like when I was when I got better a couple of days ago, I explained to her what happened. And I said, "This is your dad. You know, you know the the history, kind of." I didn't take my meds, and I'm, I'm sorry. I apologize. I explained how I was feeling. And I said. If you ever feel like this, because I always go, I always do that with her. I'm like, how are you
1: feeling today? Because I mm. get nervous. You know, a yeah. like, oh, Well, there's so genetics, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, but it is telling to some degree, I think when you go through stuff, you then can, I think, sometimes engage with people in a newer or different or maybe even more loving way. Because you know what it feels like. You know what you need it. You didn't need somebody to yell at you. You didn't need somebody to kick you out. You needed somebody to say, like, how are you feeling? What's going on? No.
0: Right.
1: right. Isn't that pretty basic? Is it? Am I weird to think that that seems why is that so hard? I don't know,
0: but it's it's exactly what's needed. You know, it can, it can really solve a lot of, you know, problem with that.
1: I'm thinking about how we talk to young kids and without doing it in that sort of super weird voice. We're still kind of like that. We just need somebody to be like, are you okay? How are you feeling? Tell me what's going on. We do that to some degree, not everybody, with like children, I would hope. We stop doing it.
0: Yeah, I mean, when I think back on my childhood, like how many times did my mother
1: really come up to me
0: or my dad say, hey, are you feeling all right, buddy? You know, like,
1: yeah, all
0: right.
1: And, yeah, then, I- and then hang on and hang on and actually <laughs> right. spend some time with you, regardless of how you answer, not just sort of right. I mean. So that was, so now your kids are a little older. How'd your daughter respond to that when you were, uh, when she learned of that? I could tell they
0: were upset. They sent me, they always sent me pictures when I was in the hospital of them, which is really cool. And mm-hmm. um, I think I did a phone call with my oldest a couple of times. You know, I just, I'm always very scared that, will we, will I ever know how much that it affected them? You know, that, that bothers me sometimes. I hate myself for that. But I couldn't, it's me you know it's it's the way i am i i probably i don't know if i could avoid it this stuff happens you know it's it's an illness it's not like it's
1: not going to go away right probably not i guess it makes total sense that you would be scared or even terrified that you would pass that on my brain for some reason went to i'm sure you passed on some really cool shit too yeah thank you <laughs> yeah, that i mean sorry. we probably don't think about as often as but i get sense because fear is a different kind of thing than yeah. so all this while you're struggling, not maybe every moment, but it's it's not an easy road. It doesn't sound like I've had two hospital stays, both less than a week, and it felt like everything in my world changed. We're not comparing here; that's not a thing I like to do ever. But you've had more of those. You've had several attempts. You know, it's like battling all the shit, m- medication stuff. Your wife's there, though. She doesn't. She's there. She stays till death do us part. <laughs> she's she's unreal. Yeah, she's on met me. her on a tennis court. Tennis <laughs> court. Didn't even like her at first. You didn't even like her at first. You liked her friend. We joke about that.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Here yeah. she is. Your sister helps. Sounds like that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Your sister got into like, I'm not fucking around mode. That's what my, my wife. Your liked. little sister, your little sister, yeah. the same one who was 15 years old at the wedding. Yeah. She's like, no, nah, we're going to, here's how we're doing things. And they were like,
0: yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 She was, she was like, Barb said, Sean, you would have, it's like out of a movie, man. Like it was out of a movie. She came in there and just was like, this is what we're going to (laughs) do. And do you have a problem kind of thing? And the lady was like, huh? You know, I was like, she really took charge. Impressive.
1: How close did you come to attempting in the last couple of weeks when you went through that thing?
0: You know, it was, it was so in my head. The first night I was like, I think it was like Thursday, last Thursday, I was begging my wife to just call the paramedics. I need something. I can't, I can't live like this.
1: I can't, I'll never make it through the night because I was jumping out of my skin. And what is, so yeah, is there any other way to explain that? Cause I think a lot of people will never understand what that might feel like.
0: It's like your body's going like a thousand miles an hour, but you you can't keep up with it and it's just that's that's the only I guess that's the way to explain it. You're not you're not in any shape to keep up with it. And you're just like you're standing there and it's going everywhere, which way, your head, the thoughts. And you just want out, you know, mm-hmm. out right now. And the thoughts of ending it. Like I mean, so many ways just were going through my head. But I kept, I honestly kept and I and I made sure I remember this. I kept looking at my girls in my head. The entire Mm. time, anytime I got a thought was throwing my girls in there. And then I go for a walk and I'd walk two miles and come back. And as soon as I stopped walking, it was the same confrontation with my wife. Her and I were there in the the hallway. I'm like, I can't do this, Barb. I need to go to the hospital, Sean. She's like, you don't need to, you just need to calm down. You know, because if I go, if honestly, if I went to the hospital, they wouldn't have done anything for me. I probably would have been tased at the hospital because, you know, I couldn't, because when you go through the process you probably know this, is that everything takes so long. Yep. You're sitting for two hours to get a room. Mm-hmm. I mean, they would have ta- they would have tased me and knocked me out. And, uh, I don't think I want that,
1: though. Sedative so, might have like, been nice. That's, yeah. That's, Some Valium wouldn't have sucked. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just not to speak for me. My doctor told me to get off that shit. What the hell was it? The Valium kinds of drugs. But I got to tell you, I really like those. Really, <laughs> yeah, I really just feel good on those. <laughs> I think a lot of people do. How'd you end up finding the podcast? Was that before all that?
0: Um, yeah, right before it was like I think a couple of weeks. I'm a podcast guy, I love podcasts. I put, I think I did put suicide because I was tired of the the normal podcast for mental health. You know, a doctor goes on and like jibber, jabber, jibber, jabber. Sure, I didn't get anything really good. There's nobody that's on there that's like, man, I just had this thing to happen, kind of thing, right. I saw yours and I was like, I, I played the first episode and I was like, this is incredible.
1: Really? Oh, I appreciate hearing that. Yeah. I don't, and I, don't I really, I don't ask people because I want my ego stroked. I, I ask because I'm just genuinely curious. Like, cause I think the only way to find it is to put that word in. Right. That one word, there's no other word. I'm always intrigued by how people sort of come, come, come to it. Uh, yeah. And obviously I'm sure some people find it and then it's not their thing or they don't reach out. So, the people i end up talking to for the podcast obviously had something that uh, connected with them. Yeah. So you listen to it and you're like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to reach out.
0: Yeah, I did. I, the first, I was the first one I, I saw that, you know, you had said in the in part of the podcast, you can, if you want to be on the show or I was like, no, this yeah, this is it. I said, I wasn't, it wasn't so much. I mean, I guess a little bit was for me because I really wanted to get my story out because not many people have heard my story mm-hmm. and, it's, it's kind of refreshing just to let it out. And I thought this would be kind of cool.
1: And then the other thing is like, I just think people need to hear people like us. 100%. Obviously, you know, you're talking to the guy who made the damn podcast, but yeah. just that, even if it's just someone listening to Sean, you Sean, not me, Sean, that alone is a positive. That alone is like, all right, I'm not the only one. To know it conceptually is not the same thing. No, I know there are other people, not enough. I hear it. You had said you wanted to get your story out. What else do you want to share about that story that we may not have touched on?
0: You know, if anybody's out, oh, I'm sure, you know, people are out there listening. And it's it's so important to to really have people around you. And I and I, I didn't always have people around me. And mm. this time is, like, probably, like, the first time that I really reached out to, like, you know, three or four people, um, not just friends. I mean, like, professionals, my, my uh, nurse, RN. Uh, prescriber, it saved me. You know, it really did. It made a difference. It was just just talking to three or four people and them knowing that you're in crisis and that you're fighting and and they're there for you, whether it's to prescribe another pill or whatever. It's, it helps so
1: much. It really does. Mm. Don't, be alone. Don't be alone. Don't be alone. And man, but it's tough. You know, because we do reach out sometimes, and people act weird. Yeah, or they say stupid shit, or they do what they do in the hospital sometimes. So I. Like, yeah, I am in 100% agreement. I just wish people, I don't know what my point is. You know what I'm saying? Oh,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm glad that you
1: have a few people, or at least a few people in your life who could who can support you in that way. Yeah. How many people in the world know about all of your attempts?
0: Three people my wife, fa- uh, father, and sister.
1: And you. Yeah. Okay. I'm in in, in this weird category for people where sometimes I'm in this short list. Yeah. Do you, how many people outside, let's say outside of medical professionals, people like like friends or family, do you have to really talk to when things are really not good or even just not a good, not a particularly good day? It doesn't mean that you're necessarily ideating, you know, that kind of stuff. Shitty day, tough moment.
0: It's really the only people I can talk to are, my wife pretty much um, I do have a friend from from Greensboro she was she was, she was a um, UNCG uh, girls basketball star wow yeah she's really she's great she's a good ball player but she's been a kind friend all these years and uh, we met we kind of reconnected through the years I can reach out to her when I'm having a bad day and I can get a text back with some kind of friendship poem or something like that or you know thinking of yeah um, so that's a nice thing
1: Are there any, we may have touched on this already without me explicitly asking, are there any specific myths around any of this that you would like to dispel?
0: I just think that it has a, um, in the general population, I think if someone kind of gets a a stigma on them, if they have attempted, you know, like, oh, he attempted suicide. It's still around. I mean, it's decades. I mean, you think we would have grown out of that. It's, It's a mental illness. It's like cancer. That's the thing with me is that, Mental illness doesn't get its props. You know, I always tell my wife, I say, sweetheart, if I had cancer, which is a horrible disease, probably the whole neighborhood would bring casseroles, desserts, and say, oh, we're thinking of you guys. But all these people in the neighborhood, most of them, they know that I have some type of mental illness. They don't know about my attempts, but they they don't come around with casseroles. They don't come around and, and offer like, hey, is Sean okay? It's just, I think it really stinks that mental illness doesn't get the the level of attention from people, because I think that would make it really a lot better for a lot of people. It might help them more, if that makes sense.
1: I, I don't think might. It's more than might. This is a tough one, but why do you think that is, that people treat it quite differently?
0: It has such a stigma and all the, the wrong things through the, like the centuries we did with it. I think it still hasn't grown out of that. I think some people think that people with mental illness are somehow
1: not worthy the other question I have about that is why do you think it's casseroles that people tend to bring if they do come <laughs> around? Why? Ca- who the fuck likes casseroles anyway? I can't. Don't understand. you bring something I like? Why are you bringing me a casserole? I appreciate the the intention. There ain't nothing about me that's gonna eat a casserole. What are you doing? Maybe but sure, trying, come on man. in and have some coffee. Let's talk. <laughs> All right. The question. This is actually a little sensitive just because of what you've gone through the last few weeks, but um, what's the likelihood that you're going to have a suicide attempt number nine?
0: I honestly, I know we all, we all say this and I've said, it, I don't see it happening in the, in the real near future. I just don't, I got lithium back. I have this new drug that I'm trying. that's I'm feeling the effects already. I got my support system solid and I'm actually, um, I'm getting off a of disability and I'm, I'm going into I have a lot of job interviews. And, and one of them is uh, working with people, Um, Out of the hospital, uh, out of a mental, um, you know, when they go in there for a mental um, Mm -hmm. illness, they come out of the hospital. They need help with post-secondary education. They need help with um, just getting um, just
1: a job, some type of job. And I'm in the job. I'm really hoping I get because that
0: would be a great way to really make a difference. You know,
1: hundred percent. And we absolutely need that. We need a lot of things, but that that go between is so big because people get left let out. They go right back to. What they had often, what do you think is going to happen? Right. What do you think is going to happen? It might take a month or a year or even more. Come on. So yeah, that's awesome, man. And you sound—you seem like, well, given your disposition, which I only know you for an hour, but what you've gone through, man, you, you'll probably fucking crush it in that role. I hope so. Yeah. That'd be nice. Isn't it cool that I can just curse because it's my podcast? It's very cool. I'll do we can curse. I mean, I don't <laughs> need to go out of my way to curse, but do whatever we want. Wow, man. Well, we would have talked anyway at some point, but I'm I'm glad that we are able to connect today. What else did I leave out? What's well, a question, maybe a question I didn't ask or anything else you want to add?
0: We covered a lot. I didn't expect it. I think it was pretty great. Thank you so much for getting all that. Let me
1: speak all that. <laughs> I love it, man. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, dude. Good name, Sean, in New Jersey. Yeah, I'm. I, I hope you get one of those jobs that you like, man. I know for me, it's tricky. I spend a lot of time at home. Yeah. And that yeah. can be hard. And I'm single, like so it can be it can be challenging, you know. Isolate, right? Yeah. Thanks, dude.
0: Alright, Sean, thank you, man.
1: Alright, I hope we will talk soon, man. Have a good day. I'll see you. Alright, yeah. be well. Bye. As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support and special thanks to Sean. Great name and a great spelling. Up in New Jersey, thanks Sean If you are a suicide attempt survivor And you'd like to talk, please reach out Hello at SuicideNoted.com On Facebook or Twitter, at Suicide Noted And you can follow the link in the show notes If you'd like to leave us a recorded message Any of those ways are wonderful And we want to talk with you If you want to talk about anything Maybe you want to be a guest on the show Maybe you want to leave a comment, have a question We want to hear it So please do not be shy And that is all for episode number 119 Stay strong, do the best you can, I'll talk to you soon.